The Y Curve with Phil Dobby and Roger Hearing. Should we have a right to protest? Of course, in a democracy, every citizen can disagree with the government and make their disagreement clear in public. But if that involves blocking the M25 or people gluing themselves to the roof of a commuter train or dumping yellow powder all over the table at the World Snooker Championships... But protest has got to be noticed in order to be worthwhile. If there's no disruption, it has no effect. And what about the big state occasion, the coronation where the police heavy-handed when they detained anti-monarchy protesters or where they justifiably using new laws to prevent them ruining what most people were enjoying? Because there are new laws, very new laws and no one quite knows how they work yet. So what should be allowed when it comes to protest? Are we gradually losing the right to demonstrate dissent? That's our subject today on The Y Curve. Brought to you by Wigmore Associates. The Y so you know what I love generally the way people protest in yes. Britain because we do it in largely or historically have with a few exceptions like the poll tax rights for example but generally dissent has been fairly good humoured hasn't well, it yes, you know people holding those right. placards going not, down with this sort of thing we're not you, French is what you're saying yeah well I'm, 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 <laughs> we don't tend no, I mean there have been exceptions in the poll tax riots for example certainly those things exist but no you're right it has been generally that way but what we've moved to I think really Reasonably, well, I mean, the suffragettes were busy running under horses and, and mm. chaining themselves to things and that kind of stuff. But recently there's been a move with particularly, I guess, environmental protesters disrupting things. And people get very cross. You know, they, they block the road. They stop people getting to hospitals. They stop people working. Yeah. So the question is, is that acceptable or not? Well, yeah. I mean, halting people getting to work, the average speed of the M25 uh, is about 25 miles an hour now. <laughs> well, that's true. So, and then <laughs> halting public yeah. transport. One in five people reported that their travel plans would have been disrupted by rail strikes. Uh, yeah. And one in ten unable to get to work because well, that, of that, rail that's strikes. that's another form of protest in a way, I suppose. Well, I guess it? it is, sort of. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but no, I mean, it, you know, there is an issue there because, you know, it, should you should a minority, and they are a minority of people, be allowed to disrupt our daily lives? Yeah. But my point is that it's getting disrupted anyway well, yeah. in an environment where very often people are protesting about exactly the same, the same thing, like, well, like with the rail strikes. You're stopping ambulances getting to hospital. I mean, that's a good one. We, we hear that used a lot in the mainstream media as a reason against protests. And yet, at the same time, we've got ambulances queuing outside yes. hospitals. And they're not so, enough know. doctors to treat people when they get there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so. It's true. It's true. But there is an issue about, you know, what actually, OK, apart from, you know, the difficulties of the actual infrastructure itself, the fact is that perhaps people make things worse by blocking the M25 or, 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 or other things of that nature. But is it valid? Is it right? Is it Should it be allowed for people to do that? If it dis- damages so many other people's lives. Well, I mean, you gave the example of the suffragettes, uh, and yeah. you know, you've got, and you have to be noticed to drive change, mm. and you have to question if you can't disrupt people's lives. What do you do? Write to your local MP. My well, my local MP is Jeremy Hunt. If I write a letter to Jeremy Hunt yeah. saying, "Hey, Jeremy, a little bit concerned that we're not doing enough about the environment. Could you fix it for us?" What do you think Jeremy Hunt's going to say? Well, well uh, but you see, once every five years, you have the option to vote him out. In theory, mm. I mean, mm. we are a democracy. Once every five years, probably, and the idea is that is the point of control and protest and everything else. Yeah. And and historically, it has to be said, people who've waging campaigns do get onto MPs. They do push their cause, and it can affect change. 
change. You know, he mm. looks everything through the abortion law of the late 60s, uh, the, 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 the repeal of anti-gay laws, all kinds of things. Now, all of that would be perfect if the ability to communicate ideas and, uh, and public discourse was open and uncontrolled. But if you look at the media in this country, the print media, 60% is owned by two families. Uh, which have a bit of a right wing bent. So they, you know, so the, the, that idea that these things can be discussed in public in an open forum through established channels doesn't apply. So you have to, so you have to do something that well, is going to cut across the. Yeah, but there are other options. I mean, nobody, nobody under 20, under 20 nobody under 30 reads a newspaper these mm. days. People mm. express themselves on social media and that's open. You, yeah. you, you can put anything you want out there. So you know, that's, that's always available. Mm. And, you know, you can always also vote with your, your money. If you have money, you move money, you don't invest in things that you don't approve of. So well, that's, that's another form of protest. Well, yeah, now talking about money. Ah, yes. Mm. Funny you should mention that. Let's talk about Wigmore Associates because they provide wealth management services to individuals and trusts, covering everything from pensions, tax, planning and inheritance tax advice. These days, the regulatory landscape is complex as ever. There are over 2,400 pages of legislation that amounts to the UK tax code. It's a full-time job keeping across it, and that's why you need to put it in the hands of experts. Wigmore Associates is a boutique asset management firm based in London who have, over the years, built long-standing relationships with clients based on understanding, trust, and a commitment to excellence. And part of their commitment to excellence, of course, is backing this podcast. And we thank them for it. So have you ever been on a protest? I've been involved in a riot, but that was abroad and uh, not one I was involved in. I was involved in reporting on it. So I went to the I went to the protest. So the, it wasn't really a protest; it was just a gathering of people. But I think there was supposedly close to a million when we were protesting against uh, Brexit, uh, and that was largely good natured. And I, what I loved was the banners that were up there. And yeah. you know, you think of the idea of a British protester; it's a, it is somebody, so like a family out with a picnic basket with a, a yes. banner that says "Down with this sort of thing." Yes, pushing the pram. And I see that one of the anti-monarchy protesters had down with this sort of king. Which, <laughs> which, you have to which, admire that. <laughs> which but, I thought was quite good. But the thing is with all that, you know, as you said. Another one, by the way, was yeah, someone saying, on don't you think this is all a bit silly? <laughs> <laughs> But if people don't feel listened to, then they inevitably, I guess, go to other measures. And that's a big problem. Anyway, let's talk to someone who knows all about the way protest is handled, should be handled, the way the law is, what the law should say, where human rights come in, all that. And that's David Mead, who's professor of human rights law at the University of East Anglia. Now, he specialises in the law and practice of public order, peaceful protest and political dissent. And he's advised governments, let's bring him in and get a sense of what this is all about. So, uh, David, what exactly, this new bill, is it needed? What, what's it providing that wasn't covered by uh, existing legislation, like the Public Order Act, for example? Well, that's a very good question, um, because I think a lot of the, what's in it, uh, maybe, maybe I should sort of run through what's in it. So there's, there's sort of two, uh, three things that we could group them into. So there's a series of new offences um, the most one which hit the news at the weekend was a new offence of of locking on. So there's a group of about four or five different offences with with as is usual, um, you know, different uh, police powers of arrest. We should just explain that lock, locking on is when you attach yourself to it, something it, 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 as part of a protest. It, it is, and we can sort of explore that a bit later if you like. But um, so it's it's it's. It's a very, very loose definition, and so perhaps sort of getting ahead of myself, then to come back, um, it, it could, be, it can be as loose as locking arms to another person. So it doesn't, it doesn't require you to have any equipment. There is an offence of having equipment to be locked on, 
but the offence of locking up. So, the, so there are two separate offences, locking yourself on and having equipment to lock yourself on with. Right. Um, so how does that apply first, if you're locking arms? So you could be arrested for having arms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's a very excellent... I've not thought of exactly... One of the things that I have written about quite a lot is that you could be in trouble potentially if, you, if you're wearing lace-up shoes rather than slip-ons, because you can obviously attach yourself with, with laces. So it doesn't require any specific equipment. So the police have been... Uh, I, I mean, and indeed the government perhaps have been um, have been focusing on people who lock themselves on with bike locks or even something more permanent. So a lot of you know activist tactics over the years has been effectively to concrete yourself to someone else in a tube uh, and leaving the police to have to get you out of that with a lot of um, equipment, time, labour resources, uh, etc. We can you know, we can debate whether or not people should... Well, well, be- let's just, just get through the, what the other things are in the law and then, and then obviously we can yeah, chew so into it. Raft of offences, including tunnelling, then there is a separate set of powers about... Uh, uh, um, um, stop and search powers, both with reasonable suspicion and indeed where the police do not need to have any reasonable suspicion of you. And then the third area where this new act has changed the law is it's brought in things, something's called serious disruption prevention orders, um, which are la- which are a, which are a, a form of civil injunction um, that can be granted if you've committed a single protest crime in the past within the last five years and then you can be have an injunction or an order served upon you that if you recommit it you don't even need to go you're effectively in breach of a court order and you're going to go uh, almost certainly straight to prison um, without needing to be prosecuted for that uh, for that new offense so those are the three areas a set of offenses with arrest powers stop and search powers, both with and without reasonable suspicion, and then these new SDPOs, serious disruption, right. prevention. So orders. how many of those, how much of that could have been covered by previous legislation? Certainly the offences, most of them could be. So it's already and has long been an offence to obstruct the highway. So in the same way as if I you know, double park my car, I'm obstructing the highway without lawful excuse. Obstruction of the highway has been used quite a lot to arrest and charge and prosecute uh, protesters over the last decade or so. Um, locking on has not been a specific crime, but it's all lo- it's long been a crime um, to to trespass on someone else's property and obstruct their lawful activities. So there have been cases where people have been arrested for that. That's called aggravated trespass. Came in in 1994, and people have been arrested for what now would be locking on, but was once aggravated trespass. And it's also been an offence to commit to, to tunnel for the for the same crime as well. It's an aggravated. People have been charged and arrested and prosecuted for aggravated trespass for tunnelling under the HS2 site. You know, within the last year or so. So a lot of what is in the act could probably have been covered by specific pre-existing public order offences. So we do have to wonder what it's there for. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And also, why so specific? It's almost like, well, these are things happening lately. Uh, and, you know, the sceptic might say, well, hang on, what you're doing is you're picking things which are in the news, uh, t- techniques which are being deployed lately, and you're building legislation to, to stop that. just responding to the ways in which but, protesters are moving. But, yeah, but, I mean, it, because it's so specific, you know, it's like if you create a law which is th- that specific, then people will say, well, okay, we won't do that. We'll do something else. 
uh, which is which is not included in this yeah. law, which could cause the same amount of disruption. But the fact that you haven't mentioned it means it's yeah. clearly not as uh, as much of a, a problem as far as you're concerned. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, yeah, I could yeah. stop printing of the Sun newspaper, for example. Which oh, let's not. Yeah, let's not go there. People might actually see as being a, be- a benefit to society, but I mean, yeah, it's yeah. against the law. So why not? You know, use that as a, an example of a, an infrastructure that you you know you, that you could be protesting against and blocking. Well, well, there is there is now specific sort of a part of a serious disruption. I mean, it's interesting you should say take that as an example because one of the definitions of serious disruption, um, which now sort of pervades the whole of this new legislation, uh, includes I don't have it right to hand, but includes um, to I mean, it basically includes newspaper in, in, in the newspaper industry. So it's listed as one of the separate <clears throat> freestanding things. But I think the, you know, the more general point. Is either these are responsible? You know, history is 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 full of knee-jerk reactions to specific problems that are um, which are then either evaded very easily, so you ju- you just spend your legislative time responding to the next thing six months later, or in order to stop that <clears throat> following of the of the of the of the activist path, you draft it so widely that it captures. You know, an awful lot of stuff. I mean, that's the problem of the arrests at the at the weekends. You know, so, so to go back to locking on, you're right that the you know the, the the problem identified, and you know, we can argue whether or not people should be able to lock themselves in concrete in shops or whatever, and you know, for, for for hours and hours. But in order to deal with that perceived problem, the legislation has been drafted without any qualifier of um, sort of you know, but for a reasonable length of time or, or non-transient or whatever. I mean, literally, under the legislation, if the three of us were to get cross about something and decide to link arms, even momentarily, we have, on the face of the legislation, committed a crime. If so this is really very draconian in comparison it, well, to where we were before. It, it has that risk. I mean, perhaps I could be a bit more cautious than perhaps I usually am, but... It, the, 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 the problem is the creation of offences to deal with specifics that are then evaded or have the capacity to be misused or, you know, or just misunderstood. And I mean, this is my, you know, my fear of policing. And, and largely the police haven't wanted many of these new offences. You know, there's a real fear amongst amongst well, certainly amongst former officers. I think current officers <clears throat> it's very difficult to know their views because obviously there are professional duties upon them, um, etc. And their and their job is just impartially to to apply the law and for them to question whether or not you know law X is a good law becomes you know, problematic for a whole host of different reasons. But but senior officers, so, so Peter Farkey was the chief constable of Greater Manchester, uh, and Owen West, who I think was a, a chief super in West Yorkshire and a public order commander, have both gone on the record very repeatedly over the last half a year to a year, really worried about this legislation for the, the problems it is going to brew up for the police, for legitimacy, for asking to hold the ring, and all of those sorts of things that we can we can just see happened over the weekend with the coronation. But, but well, it's yeah, going to be tested in court, isn't it? I mean, you know, when they have the arrests, the yes. judges, in effect, are going to make 
the law in a way. They're going to interpret it in a way well, that it, the it police doesn't will be even get it. that far because so many people. Of course, it's, the, it's last weekend we're talking about yeah. so many, so many people arrested the were, were, yeah. were, were, were let go without charge. The, so, I mean, that's not a good first outing, is it? This is sort of one of the things I've been writing about over the last you know, twenty years or so. With, you know, of my area of interest has been. The, the problem of public order law is not so much or not always what does the law say, but how is it applied? How do people understand it might apply? So your point just then, I mean, it really is bang on. It, it's Most of these cases won't go to court. Um, most cases, people are arrested and then released, released without charge, X hours after. Now, they might then still bring, and I think um, Graham Smith is going to bring up a wrongful arrest. Yeah, Graham, Graham Smith is the leader it's of the Republic right, exactly, uh, and, yeah. and one of the most prominent arrested people. Over the weekend, yeah, exactly right, yeah. So I, 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 I can't imagine that he's not going to pursue this. So there could be some court cases, but by and large, people are dealt with in one of two ways. They're either, they either never get through the criminal justice process because they never go on a protest because they're worried that something bad might happen, or they go on a protest, they're arrested, taken out the, out of the scene, and released a few hours later. But the chance yeah. for them without a charge. So for that, for the police, the job is done because is. They, they were taken away and couldn't protest. So they, so they didn't protest. So the right to protest has been taken away from people. Yes, it, it has. It's, it's, and it's not been taken away so much by or exclusively by the law, the law of locking on or, or whatever it is, it's been taken away by perceptions and misunderstandings and, and a discretionary power that the police have that is, is just not hedged with enough safeguards. It's, it's just no use a few, year, a few months later, I mean, even for Graham Smith, you know, to be able to go to court and get X thousand pounds worth in. I mean, the, the net will undoubtedly settle this. I, 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 I can't see them fighting this, but yeah, they may. He's lost his chance to go boo his to the king. Now we can just you know, we can have a debate about whether whether or not he should be able to go boo his to the king on the day of the coronation. But you know that sort of isn't isn't the point. I mean, in a, in a free democracy, mm. we should be able to go boo his to anyone that we like. And, and not yeah, I mean that, is, that isn't open to debate, is it? I mean, yeah. he absolutely has the right. Surely, well, the I police, mean, the police in their in the Met statement, they said that. Um, but but. And they said it was unfortunate that he was arrested, but it it does take away from the fact that he wasn't able to unfortunate, protest. Unfortunate, but convenient. But this this idea that you know you can stop and search protesters. So I, if I turned up at a, at a protest and I, you know I'm looking like my, a little bit unwashed, my shirt's not been ironed properly, and I've I've got there on my bike and I've got my bike lock in my hand, yeah. uh, I I can be arrested for what I'm going to do with that bike lock, and uh, you know well, what some, you arrest, might do. What I might do. It's all a bit minority report, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, in some ways, this goes to a much bigger problem of policing, not just policing in the UK, but so much police power is predicated not on things having happened, but on reasonable belief or reasonable suspicion that something might happen. And and it's very difficult. And of course, if we were to require the police only ever to act once a bad thing has happened, then bad things happen. And, it's, and, it, and we would be crying much more or as much, you know, if a bad thing happened to us, and we said, but if, why didn't you do something to stop me being bashed in the nose? Well, I can't do anything to stop you being bashed in the nose until you're bashed in the nose. I mean, you can see how it works, but it's, it's how do you catch that preventative, preemptive discretion? Yeah. 
and which is the bigger societal question, isn't it? Where, what do we think we should allow? I mean, would it have been all right? I don't know if if some eggs had been thrown at the royal carriage during the coronation. Would it have been okay? Would we have accepted that? Or if people had somehow, I don't know, chained themselves to one of the uh, one of the guardsmen. I mean, all manner of things yeah. could have happened, and there would have been howls of outrage about that because it was a big public occasion where the majority of people wanted it to go well. Yeah. Should a minority be able to disrupt that? Or should the police be there at the supermarkets looking at who's buying eggs and arresting them for it? Well, exactly. But, but it, that, that pays into where we <laughs> what we think should be uh, acceptable protest. Is it clear in Britain what is acceptable protest? Uh, I, I would say it isn't. Well, no. it isn't part of it what, what public perception is. So, I mean, I wonder whether, I mean, some of these protesters have clearly gone too far and they're not helping their case. I think most people well, would, would say that. So, uh, but they so still that, have that, the right to. That's the, they have the right to, but they will find that if it's not working for them, maybe they'll, they'll pull back. I mean, I do feel as though there's very little in the way that you can publicly demonstrate. So climate change is an interesting example, isn't it? Because... Um, how do you protest about something which has got such a long shelf life to it, uh, and 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 get yeah. your get your voice heard? And well, it's is, is it because things have changed, David? Would it be true to say that the perception of what is acceptable in terms of protest has uh, changed? Do you know? I, 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 I'll be honest. I don't know the answer. I mean, in, in terms of sort of research, etc., I, I I don't know the answer to that. So I, I, I sort of speaking slightly off the cuff and slightly, you know, off guarded. I think I think the the, the, the the difficulty we've always had, and I've t- talked about this a long time ago, I saw it, it's a bit like nimbyism. It's, we, we generally are tolerant of people's <laughs> right to protest until it, until it affects. I, I sort of mm, put, put nimbyism, nimbyism with a silent B, sort of protest, but not in my backyard, a bit like pneumatic. Um, you know, so we generally are, are accepting of and supporting of it in the abstract, but we get very cross when we can't go to the shops because someone has sat down in the zebra crossing in front of, you know, in front of Tesco or Sainsbury's or something like that. And I think that's the, the sort of the disjuncture that we we perhaps as a as a public need to try and reconcile or or have people help us reconcile is the is the is the value of protest as a as a social as a social good, if you like. You know, the fact that I don't agree with it, you know, it just comes back to you know, Rousseau and all of those sorts of things. But, you know, the fact that I don't agree with it and perhaps vehemently oppose it should not ever be a reason for somebody's rights to be, you know, to be taken away. And I think it becomes very difficult when we are the immediate, if you like, target or incident of the target for us to sort of disjoin ourselves from the generally perceived view that protest is a good thing in a, in a, in a, in a democracy. Well, look, if, whether or not people's tactics work, and again, this is sort of you know off 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 my area, is 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 a different question to what should the law, and you know whether this ultimately will backfire for just stop oil, you know, and, and XR. I, I I don't know, but the law needs to respond differently to how it's responding at the moment. I think. So uh, look, if if a group of protesters had stood at the end of our street and blocked the road for four months sort of like a major road into our town yeah. for four months. We might have something to say about it. But South East Water can, uh, can do that and <laughs> yes. uh, close the road up for four months. I what Phil is expressing is sort of very local uh, anger, which he's mentioned on a couple of other occasions as well. Um, but, but I suppose the point is that, yes, I mean, obviously disruption can be caused in lots of places by lots of people for different yeah. reasons. But it has to I, add... I, 
As to attitude, so uh, I have got some numbers here because there was a, okay. a fact sheet uh, on the public order bill, which was published uh, late last month by the government, uh, and they quote a YouGov poll uh, saying 63% of the public support making locking on a criminal offence. So I thought that's interesting. So they provided a link to the YouGov report and... One of the questions was, in fact, the first question, in general, do you think policing of public demonstrations in the UK is too strict, not strict enough or about right? And only a third said it wasn't strict enough. Two thirds, the, the more than that, actually said it was about right uh, or didn't know. So actually a minority of the population yeah. in a report that they conveniently uh, link to uh, in, when trying to yeah. make the case, the opposite case. And it is older conservative voters that are, you know, but, there. But also maybe to Dave's point, it's the, the panimbiism because the large majority perhaps have never actually been affected. Uh, particularly by a protest, haven't been inconvenienced. But obviously the people who have, I guess, are angry. Well, obviously they are older conservative uh, yeah, yeah. constituents who have been impacted. That's why they're so yeah. angry about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, very likely. Making a, a law for the next generation. <laughs> it's interesting. I just, as you were speaking, I remembered I'd read something um, uh, in the context of, of something else I was talking about a few weeks ago. There was a, a poll uh, by Omnisis or Omnesis that, that the Guardian reported last October, and, and, and I, I haven't got the wording, so apologies, but the, the, the sort of the headline figure in the Guardian was 66% support non-violent direct action to protect the UK's natural environment. I mean, that's not quite the same as climate change, uh, of which 44% of the Tories did so. So I think there is a sort of a, a, a swell of, of realising you know, to take climate change as that one example, I think there are issues around what other things might be caught by that. That we are facing, you know, such a such a, 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 a sort of a seismic event that something needs to give, and people are accepting of the highlight. And I think that, and I agree. Yeah, you know, four months at the end of the road, but a lot of the the disruption is minor level you know, relative to most other things. And it's, I mean, as, as, as you said just now, and I just sort of did some scribbles, and this is a point I always make. You know, we don't, I live very close to Norwich City's football ground. Uh, and on a Saturday afternoon, you know, we don't balk, or nobody seems to balk, at the fans streaming along the road after the match, you know, making their way home. Uh, we don't really balk at big crowds of people on shopping streets at the start of the January, or this, this, is, this dates me, you know, at the start of the January sales. But we do seem to balk at disruption that has an even more obviously sort of politically yes, or expressive purpose. The motive so massive the disruption from those Norwich yeah, games. Isn't so so if, you, if, you're, if you're there wearing a scarf with the Norwich colours, <laughs> you should be arrested for the intent for causing <laughs> yes. disruption. So we're getting, getting some more personal stuff coming <laughs> well, to you. Well, I'm not a Norwich fan, so I have no views <laughs> on Norwich but, whatsoever. But, but so. I suppose that the central core in this is, does protest have to be disruptive? I mean, you can stand, I don't know, in some roped-off area where the police say, fine, stand there. You can even have an organised march into, into Parliament Square uh, over Westminster Bridge, agree it with the police, no one objects. Why should protest have to actually be disruptive? Uh, I, th I think it has to be disruptive it, I mean, because it has to jolt us. It has to make us confront things that we wouldn't otherwise uh, you know, wouldn't otherwise con 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 be con confront. And I think there is obviously a place for for large scale staged marches uh, and assemblies. They, you know, they have a very useful purpose for the participants uh, and, and, and 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 things like that. But they, but they, I think there is also a really important role for for disruption 
of us. So I don't, you know, I don't necessarily mean disruption of traffic, but the sort of I, I sort of tend sometimes to equate the word disruption with with jolting. You know, we need to be jolted to have to confront things full on that a large number of people walking down the street with banners just just doesn't require us to, you know, doesn't require us to do. And I think but how far a- can the disruption? I mean, you say about disruption is necessary or jolt, if you like. But look, look at look at what's been happening in France in the process there, where petrol bombs, hurled paving stones, are and tear gas are all part of the of the furniture of what they would see mm. as protest. Not the same here. Normally, we not con- not a riot. Right, not condoning it, but they are getting their message across. Yeah, they, though, they're definitely they? making a jolt, aren't they? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Um, this is sort of a how long is a piece of string. I, but it, but if the if the law is there saying you know well you can't jolt too much, then you are effectively removing that right to effectively. You're saying you can protest so long as it's not effective protest. Yes. Well, there's both effective protest and there is sort of I mean you know without sort of getting too highfalutin about it, protests within a sort of a scheme managed by the state and and, the, and almost what you are trying to do having a protest generally is 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 confront power. And, and, and the last thing that you perhaps should be doing as a protester uh, is being co-opted into those, those sort of same structures and, 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 and mechanisms. You, you, need to, you, know, you need to take it on um, at, a, at, a, at a sort of an institutional level, uh, as, well as, a, as well as at a sort of a more physical level of, of sitting in the road and disrupting you know, cars, etc., you know, there's an important point that they have to, to be confrontational. I mean, on the basis, I think that many protests, I mean, again, you know, if we take climate change, you know, as an example, you know, we, we're here where we are precisely because everyone has been all nicely, nicely about it. Uh, and we're not going, you know, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm sort of, I suppose, to some extent, putting the words in the mouths of others. You know, we, we're not going to solve this by all nicely sitting around the table. The, the table, you know, the, the matter is now too pressing and we haven't done that previously. You know, we've got to do something that is more critical, uh, you know, as a response. Now, I think there are then interesting questions about how far, you know, climate change as a thing uh, also licenses other forms of obviously very disruptive protests. I think pro- protests. And so, you know, there is a discussion to be had that if we do accept that climate is an exception to our normal rules of, 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 of how we go about making political points, and again, you know, we, we debate, you know, that's a debate to be had, how far does that also license other for- same forms of protest about other matters that might be less, you know, less pressing, less urgent, etc.? Because there is there is a real risk, um, and this sort of slightly gainsays what I, you know, the point I've just made. Um, you know that within a democracy there are channels for having resolution of of contentious matters. You know, the yeah, we call it like elections, you know, uh, writing your exactly, MP. Exactly. So, so, so sort of elections about the allocation of the state's scarce resources. And once you, once you opt out of that, we are, as a society, in, an, you know, in perhaps an even more difficult position. And I mean, I, I, I've, I've started to try and think about this, but, you know, my area is the law, it's not political science and theory. But I think that is a debate that really needs to be to be had as well, because you know, voting once every five years 
that particularly under our electoral system, as you and the listeners you know, will know, that almost certainly produces minority support governments with majorities in Parliament, you know, is, is really not a solution to our problems. If you, know, if you can get 43% of the popular vote, but have 60%, 55-60% of the seats in Parliament, something's gone wrong somewhere. Yeah. And, and yeah. then and then you've got this action, which is what people seem to revert to in frustration. And I mean, we've talked about France, but what about the United States and January the 6th? That yeah. was clearly channeling anger uh, with with very bad consequences. It's still, you know, what you might call the propaganda of the deed. It got it into what people were talking about. Well, there is the difference, isn't there, between what is a, a protest where you've got you're, you're trying to make a point and, you know, it's it's orchestrated to try and get as much uh, uh, exposure to that point versus just out and out anger, which is not a protest. It becomes a becomes a riot of rage. Yeah. yeah. So so I mean, you know, there might be a justified reason behind a riot, but that 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 is a different situation. I'm not quite sure how you delineate, but obviously, if people are rioting just through anger and burning shops and uh, throwing uh, things at the police, and throwing things at the police, then that you need the the, the heavy hand of the law to we, come we've, down. We've on walked that into a thing. different territory, haven't we? I mean, uh, if, if, mm. I, I don't think we're helped in this country, you know, by the political discourse around protest and and, and activism, which is which is. There will obviously be divides, but the divide between what, you know, in shorthand we might call good protesters and bad protesters, you know, everyday people going about their hardworking business and everyone else is a baddie, has, has, is not going to serve us well uh, in, in the long term. You know, the, the line between acceptability and, 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 and a sort of illegitimacy um, has been struck in so bad, you know, so much the wrong place, you know, by the current and previous uh, uh, Home Secretary is pushing this legislation through. Um, you, you've spoken a lot, obviously, about what is wrong with the current laws, including the latest ones. What, in your opinion, would be the way then? Because it's, it's easy, I suppose, to pick holes in this, and I can imagine people shouting at the at the yeah. at the devices right now, saying, "Come on, what is actually the way to do it?" Because is it just open season? We let anything happen? What would be a good? logical, human rights-based uh, way of dealing with it. I think we have to cite the line of disruption in a different place. I mean, there is there is very strong human rights case law. Again, I mean, obviously, there is a debate about how far, not a view that I subscribe to, that, you know, that we should be bound by European con- convention case law, but we are at the moment, and there is very strong case law that... That's, Levels of disruption are, are both to be tolerated uh, and, and and acceptable within a within a within a democratic society. Uh, the the difficulty, and there isn't. This is really the sixty four million dollar question, and I don't have an answer to it. But sort of just raising it, perhaps just might highlight the problem. Is is sort of it's a two side of the same coin. It's you know it's who is making the decisions about what is and isn't acceptable, and and what remedies and powers do people have when those decisions you know have been taken because it, it, it becomes an impossible thing really to police because we can't have politicians doing it if we give it to the police we are in problems and they are they're in a position they don't want to be they don't want to be trying to hold the line between opposing factions and i think there is a, 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 a and, so, and linked to that is when the police use these powers, which, as I say, are pre- predominantly preemptive, predictive powers of what will happen, that the remedies that people have 
are very, very few and far between. So I think one of the things that we need to think very seriously about is, is how can we ensure that when... So the first thing is that we hate policing discretion and constrain it much more. We don't draft very vague legislation as we have with, with, with holding on. We limit so far as possible powers that are based upon prediction uh, and prevention. And when we do do things like that, we ensure that there are rev avenues both in advance for people so far as we can to challenge yeah, and speedy accountability, uh, et cetera, afterwards. But the, the history has just been so, simply just a repeat of policing year on, year out. So, so maybe a kind after. of commissioner or an ombudsman or a, an, an off-prot or something that would actually decide what's possible, what's acceptable or, or, or you could appeal yeah, to. Yeah, I, I think something like that. You know, we, 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 this, is, this, this perhaps sort of takes us a bit left field, but bear with me. We, you know, when we have privacy cases, so in other words, if I'm an, a journalist about to publish a story about a, a, a public figure... Um, I can, or I, and, I'm, and I'm the public figure and I've got wind of this, I can go to a judge throughout the night. There's a judge on call, on duty, to grant an injunction at four in the morning. And that's because we value privacy in, and that battle with the, free, you know, with the free speech of the press. And it seems to me that if we value protest as a socially beneficial thing generally, we need to have some sort of mechanism where we can ensure that the enforcement of the right is given effect to at a time when people need it. Now, quite how we would do that, I, I, I honestly don't, because much of policing is taking place on the scene, on the day. But we need at least to think about and move towards a system where people whose rights are going to be reduced by a policing decision in advance or at the time don't have to wait three months for a judge to say, yes, that was bad, that shouldn't have happened to you, but you've lost the chance to go boo-hiss to the king. I mean, that's a bad place for democracy to be in. So that uh, free press you're talking about, I mean, 60% of it is owned by the Harmsworth family and the uh, and the Murdoch family. So, yeah. and, that, and that is part of the problem, isn't it? It's that voice. It's, it's people feeling as though they've got an issue that they, they want to raise the profile of. How do they do that? So they mm -hmm. protest. I mean, I w just wonder whether, and I don't think we're going to answer it now because it's a it's problem that's been going on for generations, but how, how do you provide that that voice? Uh, because actually, I mean, I'm sure most of these people involved in the protest would like to get onto the next level, which is now I've raised the profile of this. What are we going to do about it? And let's get some public discourse going on. Uh, yes, and, I think that's exactly, and, and that avenue is, as you say, is, is to a large degree foreclosed unless you agree with with Harmsworth, etc., you're not going to get you're not going to get your message on the front page of the Daily Mail or the Sun or anything like that. I generally speak, it's no. going to be very, very voice for the voiceless, which is what I guess protest has always been down the ages, anyway. I think that's exactly 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 it. I mean, I, I suppose one of the advantages of the last few years of technological developments, and there's a lot of stuff written about this, is this sort of emancipatory power, the, the sort of democratizing power of the internet and the web and things like that. But I'm, I'm, you I'm say that until close. until Twitter was bought, of course. <laughs> I mean. Well, I, well, I think I think there's there's a whole you know there's sort of the amplification of it. It goes back to my point about you know needing to be confronted and jolted. You know, there's a lot of literature that, that all we really read on social media is, is is amplification of our own views. You know, we're not challenged by that chance meeting of a load of people just around the street corner with a load of placards or something and go, God, yeah, I'd never thought about that. That is a bad thing. I'll have to, you know, I'll check it. We don't get that on social media, or generally we just don't get that. We're not forced into those sorts of things. So we need that media. jolt that someone putting yellow powder on the table at the, um, at the snooker okay, uh, the, uh, achieves, uh, uh, the snooker. maybe. The, the, uh, I, I, 
and, and, and yeah, and, 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 and there are obviously very different views about whether that was a good thing tactically. But it, it's it, it made the point. I mean, take you know, take you know, the, 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 the you know the Van Goghs as well, which are, you know with just a point. You know, they've they have got something onto an agenda. Uh, now, you know, many would say it was already there, but I, I, you know, I do question that, uh, and, and I think we we always need to have these sort of reminders, and we're just we're just inured largely to you know a hundred thousand people walking down the street with with placards. So it it it, it doesn't make the news. Now, whether whether it perhaps if it did, people would feel less inclined to 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 take Van Gogh on and to take the snooker on. But but the, you know, the reality is is that lots of people walking down a street just isn't isn't newsworthy. Yeah, no. I, I look, I mean, if you, and if you're trying to raise the profile, actually uh, interrupting a snooker match, I'm surprised that got any coverage. I mean, they, actually, <laughs> if they if you like knew it. if you knew that there was going to be someone protesting in snooker, it might be more people watching snooker. Perhaps, mm, but, yes, uh, or maybe yes, maybe maybe they should in, interrupt Antiques Roadshow instead. Yeah. And it didn't get quite why a yellow powder. I guess it's because you couldn't see the ball because it was covered in, in yellow powder. I, I don't know. What well, an interesting way of playing the game. David, I think we've certainly <laughs> got to an interesting stage this, and I'm certainly going to think about that idea of some sort of way of, I don't know, having an ombudsman or somebody in there to kind of sort this out before... Uh, it Who gets, appoints well, the ombudsman? Well, Chris Custodia, Custodius, as ever. But thank well, you. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you very much uh, for, no, for being pleasure. with absolute us on pleasure. that. Um, really interesting and a lot to think about. So thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Take care. Because one of the people who got yeah. caught up in all of the, 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 those protests uh, on the Coronation yeah. Day was an Aussie Alice Chambers, a 36 yes. year old who was uh, an architect mm. who was a bit of a royalist. A big she, royal was, fan. she was there to support it all and she got arrested well, because she, she was standing in the wrong people, you see. Yeah. No, you see, the police are always right on these things. <laughs> well, it just shows how wrong it's gone, isn't it? Anyway, look, that's one of the problems yes. we face in society. Another big problem is if you're young and you want to have a house, mm. uh, which, you know, how we've you all that? sort of, it's a great promise, isn't it? It's, it's a big a dream. massive, massive problem, of course. And with the rise in interest rates, uh, mortgages become more difficult. Uh, generation rent, of course. Young people also failing even to be able to rent and living at home well into their 20s, even 30s, living with their parents still. There's all this out there yeah and difficulties it, of how to resolve it yeah I, well it's it, and supply and demand is part of it isn't it but it's also just around the world you look and you see the, as the rich get richer richer asset prices go up in value and houses are obviously the you know the one asset that everyone wants to cling on to and we're in that situation now where you know you can't afford a house unless or unless the, your parents had one and they've handed down a, a bunch of money so there's an intergenerational wealth thing yeah and even rent on. goes through the roof I mean, there's lots of horror stories about that so mm. very difficult times we're going to be talking about how to resolve if possible housing affordability yeah. and that's coming up next on The YCare brought to you by Wigmore Associates we'll catch you next week thanks Bye. for listening The Y Curve